Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO, a loose discussion of travel, adventure, diving, driving, gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 259 and it's proudly brought to you by our ever-growing TGN supporter crew. We thank you all so much for your continued support and if you'd like to support the show and aren't already, please visit thegreynado.com for more details. James, how's it going? Uh, I, I'm, I would say I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> uh, pretty happy to click record on on an episode, but uh, it, it's Tuesday morning, and sometimes it's just like I want to wake up and just kind of have like a slow morning, couple cups of coffee, get ready, you know, look over our notes for the show. We're prepping a, a pretty exciting show for about two weeks from now, so was working a little bit on that. Can't say more about it at, at the time, but uh, or at, at this time, but still. And then it's just one of those ones where like. How how many small crises can I you know kind of leapfrog between? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to be chit chatting. But it, it's one of those Tuesdays where you go like, wait, did I even have a weekend? Yeah. How right. how am I this uptight after like forty eight hours of or not even you know thirty six hours of it not, of of you know being back in in sort of the Monday to Friday flow? But uh, yeah, it was a, you know largely fine. Uh, had had a good weekend up at the cottage. You know, nice fall weekend. Still going up there. The weather's still good, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still getting in the lake, or is it beyond that now? You know, we brought the bathing suits, but mm-hmm. uh, didn't jump in. It was, it was oh, you know, it was yeah. kind of hovering in the in the 10 and below Celsius scenario. Oh, so I think okay. the water probably would have felt kind of warm at that point um, yeah. compared to the air. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just ended up kind of going up and relaxing and trying to do kind of as little as possible uh, for, for the, a couple days and, you know, watch the Formula One and then came back home and tried to get back into the into the spin of things but it is that kind of feeling where like i stepped into a river that's moving faster than it looked and i'm just kind of in the tumble tumble setting (laughs) yeah right right yeah how about you you spoke about uh on the last episode that you had a reunion a class reunion that you're kind of pumped about how'd that go oh it was a blast it was really fun i I drove down to uh, milwaukee or you know suburban milwaukee where i went to high school we Kashani came along, um, which looking back, uh, you know, I, I, I felt bad for subjecting her to it. I, I thought there were going to be more spouses there, but, uh, or partners and, and, and there, she was one of about three and had to kind of suffer through a lot of, you know, do you remember this? And do you remember that? And, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it was a lovely drive. I mean, you know, as you're probably getting as well, the, the, the fall colors have been really spectacular this October, oh, yeah. a little bit later than usual. And, and the drive between here and Milwaukee goes through basically the entire state of Wisconsin. And it's just a beautiful, um, just the, the interstate was just lined with all sorts of color and, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good evening on Saturday. I saw a lot of people I hadn't seen in, in decades, you know, since, since graduation, a few that I've kept in touch with, uh, to a certain degree. Um, I was a little, I have to say, I was a little disappointed. There weren't more TGN listeners among, among my former <laughs> classmates, but <laughs> there were, there was one guy who said that, that he and some buddies were, they, I think they went and stayed in a cabin or something somewhere and they decided they'd, they'd pull up uh, TGN and listen to it as a group while they were like playing cards or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious because they weren't like, man, I hope they picked a fun episode. <laughs> avid watch people or TGN people. They just, they just wanted to kind of pick a random episode. I don't know which one they listened to, but I think they oh, were just man. kind of curious about what I'm up to. And, but yeah, it was, it was a blast. It was, uh, it was really good. And, and of course there were Several people that that you know we made promises to keep in touch better uh, than we have, and and so we'll see if that that actually happens. But it was, uh, yeah, it was great fun, really, really good. Good to see uh, people who, you know, it's it's funny, you know, I, I did a lot of squinting at at name tags because there were a lot of people that have <laughs> you know <laughs> changed their appearance, so to speak. Sure, and, uh, yeah. But is yeah, this good times. Uh, 
Have you done other class reunions over the years? You know, the last one I did was the first one they held. It was like the five year and it was kind of, a, oh, okay. I mean, it was fun, but it was kind of worthless. I mean, and, you know, people don't change that much in five years since, uh, since high school, a lot of them are still in college or, or still mm-hmm. kind of in that mode. And, um, so this one was, you know, people with adult children and, and, you know, have gone through, you know, a few spouses and jobs and moves sure. and things like that. So, um, yeah, this one was worth uh, worth making the trip for. It was good, good nice. fun. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. That for me, yeah. when the idea of a of a class reunion strikes fear, oh uh, yeah, in my heart. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that it was like a positive thing. It would be the kind of thing I think I would find like fairly stressful. Um, yeah, especially I yeah I I don't uh, I don't keep up with maybe more than two people, three people. Yeah, uh, yeah, from from something like high school, and probably about the same from university, maybe even a little less. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. That sounds that sounds like it was a good time. And yeah, the driving this is peak driving time of year. It really is. Yeah, yeah. because I, I would make the case that a hat and a good jacket, I can still take the freedom panels off the Jeep. Oh sure, it gets yeah. almost unbearably cold at about six or seven Celsius. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where you start going like, I'm not going to take the highway. Oh yeah, right. I got. Right. Don't, I don't need a hundred and twenty kilometer an hour wind. Uh, <laughs> and, and but and that's also the thing where you start to think like, well, maybe gloves. Yeah, gloves are a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, since I took the the top off the the old Land Rover, um, I've been like wondering to myself, like, just how long can I push it driving this? Because mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't even have door tops on it. I mean, it's you're, you're yep. it's like being in a boat. You know, I mean, it's fully exposed and and. Uh, so I've been thinking to myself, like, okay, if it's a balmy winter, like I could put it in four wheel drive and kind of bomb around on a snowy street with the yeah, top down. If I'm wearing, you know, goggles and mittens and that sort of thing, we'll we'll see how Skiing ambitious outfit. I get. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But uh, I've also seen stuff on on YouTube of people like, you know, they buy these the these seat heated things like the oh, yeah. the the layer you put on top of your seat. Like my Jeep yeah. has heated seats, but they only like. If it's not cold enough, it just shuts them off on you. Like it, they're they're okay. Yeah. If if you turn it on and it doesn't, and it's like you don't need seat heaters right now. <laughs> Whereas like the ones I miss, have, have you maybe you've owned? Did you ever own like a VW with uh, seat heaters? The little dial. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One zero through five, and and right. you could run those. You could run those uh, all summer if you wanted. The car didn't care. Yeah. Those yeah. I really liked. I had a friend with with a at the time a semi modern Jetta that had them, and I thought this is great. Plus, you could because it wasn't like a a click when you turned them on. Mm-hmm. You could you could turn your buddies on when he wasn't looking. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warm them up a little bit in the summer. That is one bit of luxury that uh, between that and it's like a best. heated steering wheel, which I've never I've never owned, but the heated seats mm-hmm. are such a must in a newer car. And, and I think I told you I might have even done it as a final note. I put those aftermarket strap-on seat heaters in the defender yeah, yeah. i'll do that again this winter um they're not as great as as you know the built-in ones but they do they do take the edge off on a really cold day but totally heated steering wheel i've had only in a couple oh, like man. press cars oh so cool i remember when we had the alfa romeo and i i would drive it at, right up until the bitter end in the in november unless there was snow on the ground and and i would mm-hmm. I, that car actually had a really good heater it didn't have heated seats but the heater just blew like yeah i mean it was like a like a flamethrower and it was it was really toasty and i'd drive with the top down and a pair of gloves and it was like just the very top of my head would get cold but uh, the rest of me was nice and toasty that's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun it's a great feeling you know we the drive to and from the cottage and then up around in that area you know the trees have all changed it's all all looks incredible 
and uh, and it's just like the colors are insane. The the yellows, especially this time of year in this part yeah. of Ontario, uh, it's just yeah. oppressively yellow. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Well, look, let's let's jump into a little bit of watches. What uh, what have you got on 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 wrist this week? Yeah, I mean, no change here. I, I I've I've still got the Pelagos uh, FXD. I mean, no big surprise, and and probably for the foreseeable future. But I I think one thing that I just have realized about this watch is, um, you know, I've talked plenty about it over the past few weeks, but I'm, it's just nice not having to think about a watch. You know, I, I, I just wear it 24-7 and the strap is so comfortable. And I do I do change the the straps around occasionally, um, but I, I keep coming back to the, the, the Velcro that it came on, um, which is just so comfy. And I kind of keep wearing, keep... I kind of keep waiting for it to to wear out, you know, like cause I'm just mm-hmm. always fiddling with it and readjusting it and getting it wet and all that. But yeah, it's just such a comfortable, versatile watch. And I, I know it's keeping good time. And yep. um, so I'm really not even thinking about my watch these days, which uh, which in a way, I mean, I, you know, for a, a watch related podcast, uh, it seems strange to say, but I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah, I, I think I understand exactly what you mean from a personal level, like my watch. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that one. And it's a good feeling. And it does make you go, this is maybe part of what I was saying, like back when yeah. my Pelagos, the P39 was kind of like fresh, fresher for me. And I was saying like, this makes a lot of my watches feel irrelevant. Yeah, true. And that part hasn't mm-hmm. really gone away. I think I think once um once I get a chance, maybe this fall or, or in the spring, uh, we maybe do a little bit of a, a cleaning house for uh, with some with some solid deals for the crew over on the slack. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I certainly there's there's a dozen plus watches that I haven't worn in a calendar year or more that could probably go to uh, better homes than mine. Right. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Good well, what, stuff. what are you wearing today? I'm guessing not a Pelagos today. Not a Pelagos today. I actually, uh, in honor of what we're going to talk about, which is kind of a stack of new watches that have come out recently. Uh, I've been wearing my Bremont S302. It's a watch that uh, when I once the Pelagos kind of came into the rotation, it kind of took a back seat. Yeah. But I, I am doing a lot of working from home and tracking either, you know, a colleague or an event or something in another time zone. And that caller functionality is really useful when you're when you don't change time zones. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just really the watch is so comfortable. The loom is good. I had, you know, I t- that's what I wore up to the cottage this weekend. I, I think it's a great looking watch. Mm-hmm. And then with the new version, the S302, we'll call it the Gen 2 uh, coming out and, and then making some kind of significant changes yeah to what the watch what the goals of the of the s302 are uh it just kind of brought me back around to the to the my 302 to the the first gen yeah and i've been wearing it all week and just really really enjoying it it's it i put it on a few different straps i've actually it it weirdly has enough of a military vibe to it that mm-hmm. um it works i've been wearing it on that five eye uh nato from watch of espionage but this one that's like green with a black stripe yeah yeah and look i'm on record don't really like striped natos these ones are working for me yeah, yeah not same. on every watch not in every scenario um, but I do like it and, and it, it was kind of, you know, I was wearing a bunch of, you know, doing fall stuff. I'm wearing plaid and the Birkenstock <laughs> or the, um, the Blundstones are back out and that oh, kind yeah. of thing. And it suited that vibe really nicely. So yeah, yeah. that's what I've been, uh, that's what I've been wearing and what I'm wearing now. So uh, a great watch that I'm still very happy with. Yeah. But speaking yeah. of great watches, I mean, we got, we got a stack to talk about. We, we like doing these episodes every now and then where it's just, 
hey, did you guys catch all of these new watches? Right. And right. I think we only got a slice of what came out recently. It's the slice I want to talk about. Yeah. But there's been a lot of, you know, it's 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 the pre, pre-buying season or, or the prep for the buying season for the end of this year. And we're starting to see new stuff come out um, right. from uh, kind of a, all different layers of the watch world. But we've got six watches here that I think are probably worth knowing about if you're a TGN fan. And a couple, I think, are p- probably worth putting on a short list. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then, boy, they really span the <laughs> price range. I mean, just, just looking at our list, I think we've got, we go from, gosh, just shy of $600 all the way up to to 13000 So, uh, you know, what, name your budget and, and we've got something pretty cool. I think these are all um, really cool watches. And I think, you know, it's it's the kind of watch where, we might write each other. It pops up on Slack some someday, and someone says, "Hey, you know, check out the new. You know, well, we're going to talk about the Baltic or whatever it is, and and, and yeah. people get excited about it. So let's uh, let's dive in. Yeah, why, why don't we start with the Bremont because we we already kind of bridged there with with my S three hundred two. Yeah, yeah. You wrote this up for Hodinkee. What's the what's the rundown on this one? Yeah, it's it's essentially the same watch, which mm-hmm. I think is great. They're offering it in new a new new colorways. So there's a blue green version. There's a double gray limited edition version made with Ocean Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you follow Ocean on and her partner on Instagram, you'd probably know them as uh, the woman that's constantly free diving with giant sharks. Yeah. So they're doing an Ellie there, and then there's a new sort of um, uh, black version as well. And and I guess the most significant difference with this one is that um, it uh, it kind of replaces or or does away with this notion that it's kind of a dive watch first and and a travel watch second or or kind of has doesn't have that elapsed time functionality that the one you're wearing has. Yeah, so despite still being a supermarine which at its core is a dive watch, these three new versions which are still just called S302s and at least from Bremont's website the Gen 1 is still there. Mm. Okay. So that's still an option, I guess. I'm not. I don't really know. Maybe that's an end of life scenario, and it'll go away. Yeah. But these new ones use a 24 hour bezel with a 60 minute reut, whereas the original one was a true dive GMT, where you had a dive bezel with a 24 hour reut. So these are much more travel tuned. These are much more travel tuned in that you can track three time zones with a 24 hour bezel, whereas with the standard, the original spec of the S302 you were stuck with a second time zone via the 24-hour Riyadh, which is the little circular, some people call them chapter rings. Yeah, That's the little ring that circles the dial and kind of bridges to the edge of the bezel. Um, and in this case, that has a 60-minute measurement, and then you have a 24-hour measurement on the bezel. And like I said, there's a, a blue-green one with a blue dial and orange accents. There's a double gray one with tan accents and an orange GMT hand. Uh, and then there's the uh, S302 Jet, uh, which I think it's actually hard to pick between the three, the gray and the black versions. I really, really like. Mm-hmm. I think they're both like gorgeous. There's only 400 of the Ocean Limited Edition. So, I mean, that that could be hard-ish to get depending on your Bremont retailer. Um, and then the Jet is a standard model, uh, which is black with tan accents and uh, an orange GMT hand. I, I think... All three are quite successful. The blue green doesn't speak to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have. I would have almost preferred it to have just been all blue. Would have been quite handsome. Yeah. But the gray and the jet. I mean, an S three or two jet is a legitimately cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really like the coloring. The tan on the black looks really good. 
uh, yeah, I, th I think they're locked in. These are the same size, so I, I can I can skip some of this and like include my original sort of hands on with my S three or with the loaner that Braemont sent me before I bought my S three hundred two. Um, because they're largely similar watches. The difference here is it's a Supreme, but it's no longer really a dive watch. If yeah. you if you if you'll allow me to be quite pedantic, um, but without a dive bezel, it's certainly no longer a dive watch. This still has three hundred meters of water resistance and a screw down crown. It has a date, same movement, same collar GMT. But of course, like I said, with the twenty four hour bezel, you can. Uh, set your local time, your main time display. Then you can set the GMT hand to UTC time. Mm -hmm. And then you can rotate the bezel uh, to give you a third time zone. So you would always have UTC time uh, based on the hand. And then you would you would be able to read a second time zone by choosing to rotate the bezel. So it's not three instantaneous. It's, it's similar to um, basically every other watch that has a 24-hour bezel should be able to give you essentially three times. Um, but you're referencing those based off the offset of UTC. Sure. Yeah. So when you when you see something and it says, oh, this is UTC, you know, plus two, then you would rotate the bezel to represent plus two or minus four or whatever, and then you'd have your time zone coordinated. So really, really handy for tracking a time zone that you're not in, which yeah. is the, the point I was making earlier with my S302. But a huge derivation both from kind of the general concept of a supermarine and from what was originally outlaid by the S302. And I've seen exactly what you'd expect on Instagram. 50-50 maybe. Mm -hmm. People saying, oh, I, I love the new colors but really wish it was a dive GMT. And other people saying, like, I don't dive. This this takes a really great sports watch and kind of turns it into something even more useful for me. So, I mean, yeah, this this is this is why there isn't 10 flavors or however many flavors Ben & Jerry's, but there's millions of flavors of watches and this comes down to it. I, I prefer the dive GMT format, but that could also come from the fact that I'm fairly spoiled with the number of GMT or you know travel watches I have at my disposal. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can be very like finely cut. I think the standard of a of a GMT watch is to this format essentially. Yeah, and I guess a, a couple things hit me, and I'm I I, I saw it in, in a comment somewhere, but I'm also just looking at the, the kind of the roster of these new ones on the, on Bremont's website, and and it looks to me like. There's only one version of the limited edition that comes on the bracelet now, and and um, yours, for instance, the the, the Gen One, you, you could get any of them on a bracelet. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you can buy it aftermarket. Um, but the other thing is too is, um, I, you know, Bremont has taken a lot of criticism over the years for for being overpriced. Uh, you know, for you know whether you believe that or not. But to me, uh, the basic one on the rubber strap is thirty seven fifty, which strangely doesn't strike me as that expensive for for what you get with a Bremont. Um it's it's you know they they've I think people have often said oh you know they're 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 getting beyond like Tudor territory or they're aiming for Omega and IWC. I think you know 3750 for a chronometer spec hardened steel triptych case with with Bremont's quality is uh, is pretty reasonable actually. I, I think so. I mean, I, I was not bothered by the original price of the S302. I think that that watch I bought one. I mean like Yeah. I think that watch suits its price point. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I definitely start to very much echo people who go like, do Braemont do does Braemont need to make a nine thousand dollar watch? Yeah, that yeah. isn't necessarily limited. I, I think no, but I do think that watches like this S thirty two Gen one or Gen two, the standard S five hundreds, Alt one Cs, Alt one ZT, all these like I think these ones have pushed towards six grand basically for years mm -hmm. are are all of the watches the this great incredible value no i don't think that represents really any brand but the s302 i've always been very comfortable with it's the right size uh 
Uh, you now have more rubber options. They they make a, now a fitted rubber, which I very much would like to snap one of those up for my S302 if that was possible. And yeah. I think adding the jet version gives you an entirely different vibe from the blue-green one. The LE is very cool. Uh, these make really quite a bit of sense to me. You know, they're 3159 chronometers. And yeah, they start at 3750. Uh, 4200 on a bracelet i you know i'm fairly vocal in the past about i don't know that braemont bracelets are necessarily worth it mm-hmm. simply because they feel like watches that were designed to be on straps oh sure yeah yeah if that makes it if that makes any sense that's how i've all i feel like i've probably said that 50 times in my in in my time and talking about the brand mm-hmm. but if you're a bracelet person get the bracelet whatever like unless you're really steadfast in your GMTs have to be flyer, mm-hmm. then I think this sits nicely in the space. You can get flyers, which we can we can jump to a flyer that costs less than six hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's the derivation anymore. I think it's just you're you're kind of picking the the sizing, the brand, the coloring, and the functionality, and and this gives you more options, which I, I can't really complain about. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I think people like big bold twenty four hour scale bezels. I mean, I think t- travel yeah, watches are cool. are in these days, and I think that's. Uh, it was probably what what was on their mind when they decided to kind of reconfigure the the S three hundred two. Yeah. But speaking of travel watches, I think you know you hinted at at our kind of next uh, next watch to talk about, uh, and that's the Laurier Hydra Zulu. Yep. Which I believe kind of debuted officially just this past week at uh, at Windup in New York. And boy, is it a looker, huh? I love this watch. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, the the standard Hydra S three. We've talked about it a ton in the past. We talked about when we first saw it at wind up Chicago and then I did a hands-on I can include all that kind of stuff the the thing to know here is they basically stuck to the same formula but went with that sort of 80s vibe of a, the full black case a black dial tan accents on the dial it's an entirely different vibe for what is essentially the same watch right yeah, uh, yeah. and I think it looks incredible you know same similar price to the uh, to the standard model and but I think on this flared rubber strap that they have it photographed with whew, looks real good yeah i know oh it, it looks tremendous i mean it, it, i remember seeing the other hydra at uh, at wind up in chicago over the summer and and was pretty smitten and we talked about it then but uh boy this one really hits me and i you know looking at it I, you know sometimes it's it's the little things and and with this one they, they sourced this uh, strap from bonetto Centurini, and it's uh you know it's straight out of the 70s i mean this is a strap totally. that i think it's a version of something that used to be on a fair number of watches kind of in the probably the late seventies, early eighties. And, and, you know, the, the, on their website, they even talk about their inspirations for this watch, which are, you know, the, the predator watch, the, um, the top gun watch, um, the Tom Cruise war, you know, a few others from kind of films of that era. Um, and, and I, I get that. I see that in this watch, it does have a certain vibe from that era, but it's, it's such a wholly unique watch with that bright loomed 24 hour scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really a smart it's a smart layout. I could see this being a really versatile, useful watch, very functional. I mean, you know, it, it's got the the flyer uh, functionality from that Miyota movement, uh, but then it's got the dive bezel. Um, it's a great size. It's got the date at six, which looks good. Great loom, uh, cool handset yep. for for five hundred ninety nine dollars. It's just a yeah, this is a tempting watch. I mean, if I wasn't so smitten with my Pelagos and wearing it, you know, twenty four seven, I might be. I might be uh, looking really hard at uh, maybe making one of these my own. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I think it's great. I also just think it's awesome to see Laurie just continue to to really nail it. Like, I think this is another yeah. watch that people will be very excited about, will sell well, 
um, and we'll like further kind of expand the brand. Uh, and I think looking at this, it just I get I get vibes of like all the great micro brands that I've loved since 2005. Um, in that you're getting something like this is not a watch from any other brand. Yeah, yeah. This is a cool thing. I guess it's a little bit like like the jet coloring from from Bremont with the black and some tan. But it's just so successful in this design, and and yeah, that rubber strap just rips. <laughs> cool watch. Yeah, yeah, really well done. Good on them for that one. Uh, so you can hit the show notes for that one to take a peek. Uh, which one do you want to jump to next? Another one that's not not super expensive. Sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go to what do you say the Serica. So Serica came out with the sixty one ninety, which is their field watch, which is kind of a refresh of the first watch that they came out with um, which i believe you got to spend some time with right or was that the diver um i've spent time with with all of them i I, the the one i had the most time with from this format would have been the wm brown edition they did several years ago oh yeah yeah so i got a chance to see those and shoot them you know these are these are kind of like love letters to mid-century field watches Mm -hmm. but in ways that don't feel like the designer's only love was rolex yeah yeah and they do a really nice job. There's three different um, dial ways, but it, it, for this one, it's uh, automatic now. The case is thinner, and it's chronometer certified. So it comes as the Denali, the California, and the Commando, which are just slightly different versions of uh, of sort of the the dial spec. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on pre order, and let me see as far as pricing. Is it 990 euros? Uh, which so I think that must be inclusive of the VAT. So I think if you're not paying VAT, you'd be looking at uh, 830 with this you can still pick between the nine hour or the the nine o'clock or the three o'clock crown position you can get an extra long bracelet which is something that comes up occasionally on the tgn slack 37.7 millimeters wide 10.4 thick 20 millimeter lugs comes with a cool bracelet cost certified 200 meters water resistance it's nice I, I don't know. How do you argue with, with, with something like this under $1,000? Right? Absolute killer package. And, and you know, just looking yeah. at the, the, the image, I, I like the Commando uh, myself. It's, it's just so handsome. And I, it, this kind of strikes me as, you know, one of those brands, uh, the, the other brand that leaps to mind when I look at Serica is uh, like a Unimatic. Um, in terms sure. of a, a real eye for detail and design in a very understated, um, controlled kind of way. Like, like Unimatic has clearly taken inspirations from several kind of mid-century watches, uh, but but put it in kind of a fresh modern package. And I feel like that's what Serica does as well. And they also have that that restraint when it comes to overly branding it. Like the, the name isn't on the dial. Similar, you know, Unimatic has a name on the dial, but it, again, it's down at the the lower side of the dial, and and it's yeah. it's very small. There isn't like a big logo. You know, they aren't naming these after, you know, you know sea creatures and things like that. I mean, this is, it, it's just a, it's got these beautiful swoopy lugs. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, these are, these are great. I mean, and, and how can you argue with, you know, cost certified something that's sub 11 millimeters thick um, for, yep. you know, sub thousand dollars. Incredible. Yeah. Really, really amazing. Uh, so I'm a big fan of these guys have, you know, obviously experienced a bunch of their uh, watches over the last several years. And as far as them refining something that I think people were largely already happy with, which is one of my favorite things, like mm-hmm. when somebody takes something that's already pretty dang good and, and has an audience and they're happy with and just makes it a little bit better. And in this case, I think, yeah, thinner and chronometer and automatic, these are all great things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it, it provides kind of a nice segue because one thing I was going to say is that Serica is also a brand that I don't really know who's behind it. I know I know the folks at Laurier. We know the people at Bremont, et cetera. 
like Sarek has almost kind of popped up and and kind of become a thing uh, in the watch world. People know the brand, but you know, I don't see the the you know the the, the people behind it uh, up front. There aren't like a lot of interviews with them or whatever. It sort of feels like this brand that lets the watches do the talking, and that leads me to uh, kind of I, I guess the next kind of affordable one that we have on our list, which is from Baltic, the Hermetique uh, Tourer, which in, mm-hmm. in many ways feels a bit like in the same spiritual space as, as the Serica, albeit for $580 instead of, you know, getting creeping up closer to a thousand. Yeah. So this is a classic, again, another kind of take on a mid century vibe, maybe a little bit more JLC Mm -hmm. and the, and the sort of scientific phase, uh, which I think is referenced in, in the case name and the rest of it. Um, you know, more, maybe more of an homage to something specific than what they're dealing with on, on the Serica, but yeah, I, I think these look good. Thirty-seven millimeters, really hard to to throw any shade at five hundred fifty pounds, or five hundred fifty pounds for a, a you know a new automatic watch. It has this really clever, uh, fully flush fit crown. Yeah, which I yeah. think like Neat is enough feature. weirdness to be yeah. kind of cool. Syringe hands, really beautiful dials. I'm a, you know big fan of Baltic. Uh, Thirty. These are thirty-seven millimeters, forty-six lug to lug, ten point eight. There we go. Yeah, thickness, but that's eight point three without the crystal. Wow. So it's the case is actually thin. Yeah. Uh, Twenty millimeter lugs, so you're not messing around with you know a bunch of different straps. They come in four different colors, and they come on Tropic FKM straps. Yeah. Uh, which I think look really good on the watch. It has sort of a nicely a twenty millimeter lugs on a thirty-seven millimeter watch has this sort of squared mm-hmm. stance. Mm-hmm. That that cuts a little bit of like a more more modern profile, but then the rest of the watch is, is kind of anything but modern from an aesthetic standpoint. It's a very classic. The tan one really speaks to me. Yeah, I was going to ask you which uh, which colorway you really like and and beige. To be fair, yeah, yeah I call it tan, yeah, but yeah, beige yeah. I think would be that's pretty fun. Yeah, it is uh, with yeah. the tan and the black elements on the dial. How about you? Well, I mean, I keep coming back to the brown one, which is strange because I, I just really? would never picture myself wearing brown. I mean, the, they're all good. They're all really good. I think I would. Yeah. I would. Um, in fact, I'm looking there, there isn't even a black option. I mean, it's all color. There's green, there's blue, there's beige and brown. And, you know, now they're going to this, this 3d sort of blocky, uh, numerals, uh, in full loom, which, you know, kind of pulled Mm -hmm. from the, the vertex playbook, uh, in many ways. And then that amazing kind of case design. I think we're, we've, we've, we've come to this maturity in the so-called micro brand space, if we're even using that term anymore, um, with, with, Brands that are really design and, and aesthetic uh, driven brands that are marrying that to the availability now of really high quality components, whether they're coming from Asia or Switzerland or whatever, like with the, with the movements and, sure. and the case design and the ability to make a watch like this for this price with that flush fit crown and a domed mm-hmm. crystal and the 3D loom for, you know, for this price is a. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I've said it before, but we, we yeah. live in fortunate times for for uh, really good-looking, well-made watches now. Yeah, I also, I also think the thing that, that captures me about something like the Baltic and indeed elements of the Serica and other stuff that Serica's done in the past, specifically like the um, the bezel inserts, mm. is, you know, if you've been into, we'll, we'll continue the term micro-brand. If anybody ever comes up with a better one, I'm down to, I'm down to trade. <laughs> but if you've been into microbrands for a long time, there was definitely a time where you would buy one and go, oh, I know this case. It's the same case from yes, this I watch that, that I owned yeah. two months ago. Yeah. 
or oh I, I recognize this crown or I recognize this strap or you know because some of this not some of it a lot of it was being pulled out of catalogs mm-hmm. right right because that's what kept the price low which meant that if the right person went through the or the right number of catalogs and tastefully put together a package that people wanted it could be made for a price where that one person could make a living off the 800 people who were willing to buy their product yeah cottage industry at its best i love it Mm -hmm. where we are now with the maturity that you're talking about is i don't think that you would pick up this baltic and go like oh yeah this is the case from from this catalog yeah yeah feels so much more mature than where we were a decade ago Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of what makes this brand exciting and and what gets me excited about like you said uh, Unimatic and and Baltic and uh, Serica and brands like that. Yeah, and and I want to give a little a little shout out. We don't usually talk about brands' websites, um, but I gotta say, I'm you know, just looking at the really the product page for this uh, this Hermetique. Great job, beautiful photography. Um, they got a little video, yep. um, the photos, the renders, the the text. I mean, really crisp, really well done. And that you know that all that all comes from you know comes off the bottom line uh, on the budget sheet too. So. You know, that's that's not uh, anything to sniff at. So hats off to them for the watch and for the presentation of it. Yeah. Another solid pick, man. It, it's so cool to have, because we're going to get into some stuff that's pretty pretty great, I think, in the next two. Yeah. Or pretty interesting anyway, stuff that I would kind of pine for. Mm-hmm. But like the Laurier, the Serica, the Baltic, like you could go out and buy yeah. for less than a Seiko that I love. Right, true. Um, you yeah. could actually get two of them. Yeah. You could get the Baltic and the Laurier and decide later. Yeah. Or just have both. Right. Two different vibes entirely. Uh, for what you would pay for a SPB one four three, yeah, give or take, give or take like a hundred dollars, right? Um, depending on where you get it and how, but uh, yeah, I just think that it, it's I, this is like so much the reason that I like having TGN and why we started is just to like talk about what feels like a good deal mm-hmm. in in the watch world, like something you can get excited about because you don't have to you know, worry about the finances. Right, <laughs> right. Necessarily. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into the next couple have larger numbers, five figure numbers. That, yeah. You know, but the these ones that, you know, I do I do want to offer like a solid shout out to, like we said, Laurier and Baltic and Serica and, and the brands that are operating in that space because I don't think the value statement is getting worse as these brands get slicker at offering, you know, quote unquote micro brand product. The value seems to be getting better. Yeah. Especially yeah. from brands that seem distinctly focus on on what the end price is yeah yeah fun stuff well well and if you are someone who uh you know you you want to kind of a sub thousand dollar watch maybe it's time to go get a cup of coffee and skip the next two (laughs) because we're going to distinctly up market yeah we got to decide if we want um swiss with a decidedly german option right or german with a side of austria yeah right right yeah yeah, where do you want to start here? Well, let's go with the IWC because I think this is actually like kind of big news. Yeah, um, I yeah. think this is sort of a grail aesthetic within the sort of space that TGM would exist. So the the, the brand now has the new Top Gun Mojave. They're making a forty one millimeter version, mm. which I just think is like, yeah, dang, yeah, good idea. Yeah, <laughs> should have done it three or four years ago. Sure, I get it. Whatever, things take time. Yeah. But like, talk about a watch that I just think is so cool yeah. and way too big. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. So yeah, now you can get a 41 millimeter Mojave. Looks, I would say, identical. It's, you know, they're, on their website says limited availability. It's $11,700. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing that's fun, <laughs> the other thing that I giggle about, because I, I don't think it would bother me because I don't feel like 42 is too big for my wrist. Yeah. But when they say a Top Gun 
Mojave 41, it's 41.9. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but ceramic case, yeah. 15.5 millimeters thick, 100 meters of water resistance. It uses the brand 69380, which is a, a four hertz chronograph movement with a 46 hours of power reserve and comes on the right strap. It's got the soft iron inner case for magnetic uh, issues, sapphire glass uh, up front with AR coating on both sides. Uh, I, wow. I just I, I think this is a very cool watch. Uh, it was immediately a watch that like several of my colleagues at Hood and Key were <laughs> like, oh, wait, I would buy this. Yeah, yeah. I think now is definitely the time for every brand that can to push as hard as they can to make a competitor to a Daytona. Mm. And I think in my mind at 11.7, I want to say the the current price on a Daytona is a few grand more than that, let alone what street market is. Yeah. But the idea that you could get something this cool, mm-hmm. if you're already in that market, this isn't going to seem expensive. It is within the range of what we generally talk about on TGM. But when you look at some of the watches shared on the Slack, this isn't more than some of the folks listening do spend on watches. Yeah. And I think just a, just a really cool thing. I'm a, I'm a fan. I love I love to see IWC return to increasingly smaller case sizes. Mm-hmm. And and you know IWC was kind of for lack of a better term sort of wandering in the wilderness there for a few years. They kind of lost me. Um I I just wasn't paying much attention to them because they got kind of expensive and big and and just not and they were kind of focused on different things and and I feel like uh, this is a legit sort of return to form for them. I think, you know, ceramic is, they have a long history with that. And, and, oh, and of totally. course their, their pilots line is arguably their most iconic. Well, I'm sure actually it is for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and I used to have a, a, a pilot chronograph back in the day, just the, the standard steel with the black dial and the 7750 based movement. Um, and I loved that watch. It felt, it felt very versatile. I think, you know, this one with this size and, you know, I, I'm sure that in this ceramic case, it, it weighs nothing, probably feels really good on the wrist. And I love that it's this high-end, really well-made, proper Swiss chronograph from from a big brand in this wild colorway, this like really sporty, fun kind of thing. This would just be a blast to wear. I mean, it's, it's such, it'd be such a talking point, and it's just, uh, yeah, this is cool. I, I I'd love to see. Uh, you know, maybe this is a colorway that's uh, going to really take off, and we'll start to see some of these micro brands that we just talked about kind of go in this direction too, because I think it's. Uh, I think it's really cool, kind of that desert vibe. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, w- I was a fan of these watches when they first came out in the larger sizing. Yeah, um, and and even beyond the Mojave, like I've really enjoyed things like the the crazy Top Gun Perpetuals. Mm-hmm. They're too big. Yeah, but they're so cool. Yeah, yeah, like a sports watch that's also perpetual. Then oh, they would do yeah. the boutique editions that were like bright red or green, yeah, or yellow. Yeah, yeah, and they're just like really, really like fun watches that didn't skip what you want from IWC, which is like a, in a really great case mm-hmm. and you know a, a excellent dial and this sort of complicated flight adjacent aesthetic. Yeah, and and I think these hit it, and and there's like a, there's a warmth or like a casualness to. The Mojave that I feel is kind of replicated in some of the older, or is like mirrors some of the older stuff, like the thirty-seven oh five and the Flieger Chrono and and the um, the Doppel and, and those ones. You know, I I will always be the guy that when it comes to IWC watches prefers that blocky hour hand. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, I don't know on the Mojave the 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 twin sort of sword or spear hands look really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. a fan. I, I don't have $11,700 <laughs> to buy one, certainly. But 
I, I think that this will be a watch that in a couple months when people start talking about like some of the best watches of the year, this is a very conventional because it is a smaller version of something that's around. Yeah. But I think it's going to be noteworthy. Yeah. This this takes something that I think a lot of people really like and, and opens the door for um, a more conventional wrist presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, I mean, it's, it's adjacent to IWC. The brand has built, IWC has built this brand's watches in the past. Um, as, as of a few years ago, the brand is now fully owned by Porsche. And we're, of course, talking about the new Porsche design chronograph one utility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my understanding they went with utility because uh, it has different connotations than military, which is the model that this, this uh, new watch actually references is, is sort of the 12 hour riot of the, original military from uh the chronograph one you know these are these are um titanium carbide sports chronographs they use a a cos certified flyback chronograph movement that uh, porsche design uh has designed uh and and kind of implemented upon it comes on a slate gray bund which i thought you would like jason oh yeah. Uh, yeah and this one especially is limited to 250 pieces and uh, and even has uh, you know in in an attempt to kind of replicate the balance or the aesthetic balance of the military, even has a little logo below Porsche design right between four and five that says Mankai, which if you um, if you follow along with uh, Ferdy Porsche, who has an involvement with um, Porsche lifestyle and of course Porsche design, uh, I saw Ferdy a couple weeks ago. Uh, they they do Mankai is um, is a marmot. Oh, <laughs> and it's it's kind of a signature element to to the what was the GP ice race, and then moving forward will be the FAT International Ice Race or the FAT Ice Race. And Mankai is also the name of uh, you know a hut that they've built up on Grossglockner, which is kind of a a feature point for for sort of what Ferdy's up to, uh, both in the worlds of architecture and in automotive and watches and all that kind of stuff. So there's little references throughout. That's a crazy design element. <laughs> to yeah. add to a $13,000 watch <laughs> kind of this yeah. strange little it's almost like an easter egg you have to kind of know what it's about mm-hmm. yeah and and you know in the past they've done gp ice race ones where there were a bunch of little easter eggs little engraved icons and stuff on the back that kind of reference things that would mean more to someone who had been to ice race or followed really closely and then with with this one they it's 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 very much a similar design and implementation to the other chronograph ones but the big change being that 12 hour um riot which uh which is was a re- direct reference to the the previous military that that you know was made by the brand in the past i am I'm, I'm a massive fan of these watches yeah i don't know about this one specifically but a kind of standard model mm-hmm. with the bracelet mm-hmm. is absolutely on my very short list of watches i would like to own in in the foreseeable future i've really fallen in love with uh, Porsche design and then the history of this model the the chronograph one was you know designed by F.A. Porsche in 1972 after he had left the company started his own company called Porsche design in Zell and then that company has persisted and of course designed things for pretty much every brand you can name like a prolific design house from industrial and, and product design everything from train cars to sunglasses and lighters mice blackberries now you know like you name it like it's it's really fun sometimes just kind of sift through their catalog or or go on ebay and and look up porsche design and see what you get like a lot of it's like polos and stuff but there's some wild sunglasses some really cool pens um what i'm trying to think of what else i saw at their design at the studio in zell when i was there 
couple years ago. I think I've got like an external hard drive that's uh, from Porsche. Oh, design. hard drives for <laughs> sure. Cool, like office chairs, yeah. motorcycles. You take your pick. Yeah, they've probably yeah. done it, right? Yeah, um, they are sort of like a like the in my mind when I see like a Porsche design product, I kind of give them the same vibe as like Zagato. Mm, like right. if Zagato got involved, they kind of put their own spin on something that already exists to a certain extent. But then that's almost not fair to Porsche design because so much of it's ground up designs that they're licensed to do. Sure. So it's not their spin on something. It's like their take, their, to- their total take. But I'm, I've just become a huge fan of these watches. And it's like 90% of the appeal for me is how they wear. Oh, If you get a chance, yeah. I don't know how you necessarily get a chance. But if you're at an airport and you walk by a, a, you know, a Porsche design store or, the, or there happens to be one in your uh, city or something like that, swing by and try on any of the chronograph ones, preferably on the bracelet. They just wear perfectly. And they're really gorgeous, and they have an incredible background designed by the same guy that designed the 911 and the 904. Yeah, yeah. Like, no slouch here. Yeah. Right? And then now fully, now reintegrated back into the fold, Porsche went ahead and set up a manufacturer in Solothurn, which I've seen, where you can get these watches customized. And, you know, if you if you order a watch on their website, you go through the same sort of configurator that you would a car. And you can get a bunch of things made, like customization elements made for you. You can have them tied to a car. If you're doing a car, you can add a Porsche design. All that kind of stuff I just find to be cool, not necessarily appe- like directly appealing to me, but I would very much like to own one of these one day. Oh, they're, they're so cool. I remember when the campaign for this broke and it was on social media with... Um I can't remember his name. The skier um, was was kind of rock climbing or something, and I was like, "What is this watch?" And I, and I looked, and you know, the fact that they put it on a bone strap, of course, uh, warmed my heart mm-hmm. uh, immediately. But uh, I've always liked the historical version of this, and and then to to for for a, a, a brand like Porsche Design, and then at this price point, to do all these kind of quirky nods to the historical one with a with a bone strap, but then they replaced mm-hmm. the three H uh, circle. Uh, red logo or, or symbol on the dial that used to indicate uh, use of tritium. Um, now they've replaced that with a, a TIC for titanium carbide for the case material. And then that, the marmot uh, symbol and the, I mean, just the shape of this thing and, and, and the look of it is just so again, it, it, it's in that same vibe as IWC. It has this very tactical kind of seventies sort of look. Yeah. I'm, I'm really smitten with this. And I, I you know, you, like, like you, I think this is on a short list, even though, uh, it's not a dive watch, which is a real departure for me. I mean, this is the first time I've really like squinted and like looked long and hard at something like this. That's like a, a modern chronograph, and thought I, I'd love to own mm-hmm. this. And and it makes me think that maybe in the interim you should you should uh, try to pry your old uh, Zin. What was it? A one forty four from the guy you sold it to, and get that back. One four four ST. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, it's it's around. <laughs> uh, I know I know who owns it currently. It's uh, that's a good one as well, and definitely like so much of that the Zin thing. Yeah, like played off on the same aesthetic, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Pr- pretty directly, and uh, some definitely some beautiful watches. I don't I don't know that I would need titanium carbide. Right. I'd be fine with titanium or steel, like whatever. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the the real dream would be uh, raw titanium. Oh yeah. So the standard the standard black with the bright orange accents yeah the very you know the 911 derived clock face as they like to call it when right. they when they're german and uh and then uh you know normally the titanium ones are black coated which is of course a reference to 1972's chronograph one one of the first black watches ever all black watches mm-hmm. and uh and I, I love the idea of that but in raw titanium so the case and bracelet would would be non-coated uh that would be basically the dream spec for me 
Yeah. Just yeah. so, so cool. Well, good roundup. Gosh, six, uh, six incredible watches. Wow. I'd take any one of them and be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we kicked it off with the uh, the Bremont S302, which is now more of a GMT and slightly less of a diver, but possibly that means it'll have a bigger audience, which would be great for Bremont. We had the Laurier Hydra Zulu, uh, which is a black version of the already excellent Hydra 3. Um, then we had the Serica 6190 and the Baltic Hermetique Tour, two excellent takes on sort of different takes on mid-century sports watches. And then finally, the new Top Gun Mojave in 41 millimeters, more like 42 IWC, <laughs> and the Porsche Design Chronograph 1 Utility uh, Limited Edition. Yeah, I, I agree. I, all of these, like I kind of like these in all a similar way. Yeah. Obviously, I gravitate more to something like the Laurier or the Baltic or the Serica because of the price. But uh, I'm I'm definitely a fan. I, I'm actually pretty excited to see that the new S302 in the jet, like in person. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like to see that quite a bit and see see that. And they announced this week that they'll be at Watches and Wonders, oh, which I think nice. is a fantastic move for the brand. Yeah, they need you know to. under new leadership with uh, Davide at the at the lead. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited if they're going to be there, and that'll be fun. And yeah, six six cool watches. I'd, I'd be thrilled to continue the discussion about these on uh, on the slack as i'm sure we will you can find the episode chat channel or you know their watches so it could be in a, it could be in a handful <laughs> of channels right oh, what do you say uh put a bow on it some final notes yeah let's do it um i'll uh, i'll kick it off with uh, kind of a, a reference to a couple of other watch media spaces uh, that featured a pair of guys from our tgn audience uh, big time supporters uh, longtime friends of, of both of us. Um, and, and specifically, uh, Tom place, our, our resident stuntman, who was in a video feature on, uh, Teddy Baldassar's, uh, YouTube channel, uh, in which he talks about, um, kind of his watch collection. It's sort of a, a sort of a talking watches, uh, adjacent podcast where he sits down with Teddy and, and literally dumps a bag of watches on a table. I love the bag. Yeah. Really fun <laughs> to watch. Uh, and it's titled the watches of a, of a professional stuntman. There's some great uh, clips and photos from, from Tom's work, uh, in the film industry. Uh, and, and I loved his collection of watches. There were just some, some quirky choices that I didn't know he had some, some great stories behind each of the pieces. Uh, Tom's just, uh, he's such a, such an original, such a great guy. And I'm so, uh, so happy to know him and for him to be part of our community and, uh, definitely a fun, a fun viewing. It's about a little, a little under half an hour wa- uh, to watch and, uh, yeah, I should check it out. And then the second one is our good buddy, Chris soul, who was on the whiskey and watches mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, and it's just titled diving into Tudor Ben Roos and Oris with soul. And, <laughs> Uh, this was fun. I mean, Chris soul again, great friend, got to dive with him a couple times this year. We, of course, we both saw him in Florida and at, uh, wind up back in Chicago. Uh, you know, great friend, uh, trusted colleague and just, a you know, an Uber moderator on our yeah. Slack, uh, Slack community, which, uh, which, you know, we're so grateful for. And Chris got on and he talked, um, for a little over an hour actually, uh, with the guys from whiskey and watches. And, and they talk about, uh, a lot of it is about diving and about the trips. And he recounts the, the trip we took to, uh, to the Gulf coast of Florida, which now is starting to fade, um, quickly into the end of summer. Uh, seems like a long time ago, but it was fun to kind of re re, uh, recount that, uh, via Chris's talk with, with these guys. So yeah, check both of them out. Really, really proud of these guys and, and happy to see them getting the recognition that they deserve. 
Yeah, absolutely agree. You know, huge, huge fan of both these guys, uh, Chris and Tom. I hope you're listening. Love you both. Super cool to see you uh, pop up in these spots. And uh, I've been through the the Teddy video with Tom, but I'm only partway through the Whiskey and Watches podcast. So I'm, I'm still looking forward to finishing that um, maybe, maybe with, a, a, you know, a much needed third cup of coffee in the next few minutes now as we're approaching lunchtime. Uh, <laughs> but it's awesome to see them out there. And a huge shout out to both of those guys. Big part of the community and, and just... Uh, like the watch community in general that we're we're all in the same sort of world these guys are, are awesome and and definitely I, I think we should uh, push as many people to go check out these two pieces of content and leave some nice comments let people know that from yeah. Teddy and and the guys behind whiskey and watches that uh, we appreciate seeing these sorts of things it's cool to see them out there chit-chatting and dumping bags of watches and that kind of thing so <laughs> all right what do you have this week? Mine uh, is a boredom purchase. Uh, it's become a real thing. I like to tell myself <laughs> it's like a mental health purchase of some sort. But um, I uh, I bought a lens for my M10. So I have a Leica M10P, which is sort of an old-ish. The previous generation of Leica's like hardcore, sort of mostly manual camera. And uh, I bought a new lens for it simply because the the thing I found was... I was using my phone for a lot of images that I kind of wish I had used a camera for, but both the Q and the M10, because of the lens, really aren't something you drop into a pocket. You have to hang it on your body or bring it in a bag. Oh, yeah. And I had been kind of digging around, and, and I bought a 21-millimeter color Scopar from Voigtlander, which I think I spoke about previously. And it's a very thin lens, but it still sticks out, like let's call it an inch and a half, two inches from the body of the camera. Yeah. So you, again, you're not like dropping it into the pocket of a barber jacket or something like that, which is kind of what I what I'm hoping for. And I, I've seen this lens pop up on Instagram and YouTube and the rest of it. And then, of course, I was in Germany with Leica, and it's kind of like, man, you know, I, I I love the lenses I've got, but maybe it, it's it'd be fun to try something else. And I was looking into possibly making my own lens. Yeah. So there's folks where you take the body like a body cap. So like if you remove a lens on a camera that has interchangeable lenses there's a big hole if you remove the lens so they make you know like a plastic cap that covers that hole sure and you can buy one of those drill a hole in it and then install like with hot glue if you want the lens from like a wine uh disposable winder like a disposable film camera sure and then you have something that has no focus no aperture controls it's just a a lens and Mm -hmm. for kind of fun and i was like well i love that idea and i'm sure i will do it but i don't think I don't think I would be thrilled with the photos. Yeah. Um, it might be fun for pictures of the kids or like quote unquote artful sort of stuff, but maybe less so for things that I would like to look back on and, and enjoy f- for their clarity. Um, and uh, and so I picked up this lens from a brand called Seven Artisans, who I'm sure many of you know, and they make a 35 millimeter F 5.6 pancake lens. Wow. It's called a pancake lens because it's very flat, like a yeah. pancake. And this would be probably a little bit less than an inch in total off the body. Hmm. So with this on, it also has a built-in cap. So if you extend the, it has a little tiny lever to focus. It's a fixed aperture, so you have no aperture control. It's 5.6 all the time, which makes it very much more of an outdoor lens on something like an M10. So the 5.6 isn't a big deal. I have other lenses that go down to 1.4. Not that big a deal, uh, but the size is really the selling feature here. And then if you extend, like there's a, a little detente on the focuser, on the little focus lever. And if you go beyond that detente, a little like cover goes over the lens element. Huh. So it's like perfect for dropping in your pocket. Yeah. 
and and sure it's still much bigger than a rico or an rx100 is a great pocket camera like i could list 20 30 options that are better but i already have an m10 mm-hmm. a ludicrously expensive camera that i worked very hard uh to afford and i would just like to always have that on me as much as possible and for snaps with my kids kind of lifestyle stuff walking around and see a cool plant or going on a hike it's a really nice option yeah it's not a lens that i have to worry about it has a built-in cover uh, so far, I'm happy with it. I've had it for a couple of days. Uh, I ordered it uh, uh, while just hanging out at the cottage, and I was in a good mood. And, <laughs> and I made one of my, you know, sort of boredom or stress purchases. And these are I, I paid a hundred and I paid the equivalent of about 120 US for it. So in the in the realm of lenses that mount to an M and take a reasonably sharp photograph, yeah, basically free. Yeah, yeah. A full on Leica lens is going to run you several thousand dollars or more. Um, so it's always kind of a thing. And then many of you will remember, if you go back to the very early days of TGN, I had a real love of putting weird lenses on my 6500, <laughs> my Sony Alpha. Sure, yeah. Because you could buy the lenses for nothing. The adapters were even less on Amazon. And the format of the 6500, you would always be focusing using like a focus peaking setting where it outlines right, or right. shades in red or whatever color. Yeah. So you could use any lens on those cameras. And with the rangefinder of the M10, it's a little bit different. You can't use any lens. Some of them won't support infinity because of the depth from the sensor. Other ones are not rangefinder coupled, which this Seven Artisans isn't. Hmm. But the Seven Artisans, basically, you only focus between 0.3 of a meter, which is close focus, and 0.5 of a meter. Mm -hmm. And after that, everything's loosely in focus. Oh, yeah. So you're not really thinking about it. It's a little bit more point and shoot. Yeah. And so far, I've been enjoying it. I went out on a nice walk yesterday evening with my wife and and took a few snaps. And I'll publish some of them in the next little while. I'm actually... I've got photos from Leica and from other stuff that I, I have to, like, actually sit down and put on Instagram at, at some point that does it can feel like too much work to bother but I've been enjoying the lens and, and if this might possibly be in your world they make models that mount to things other than Leica uh, there's great. a Sony there's a Canon there's a Nikon oh, and nice. if and if this means that you could grab a camera throw this on and know that you're just going out to I don't know coffee with friends grab visit some family whatever go go on a walk like outside it's great it's pretty sharp especially sharp in the center yeah um, the edges aren't anything you're going to write home about. But again, we're talking about, I think this lens in the States is on sale for a hundred bucks right now. Yeah, it is. Bucks. Yeah. I see, I see a kind of a similar version for Nikon for the Nikon Z that's $47. I mean, it's, that's, that's like Get an it. impulse buy. Get it and have a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't do, for those of you who are really nerdy, I will fill in a small blank. It doesn't do what like the Asahi Pentax stuff does. Hmm. So you don't suddenly get a, a, a look that is unachievable with a different lens yeah they were my favorite thing to shoot with on the 6500 because of the the way that the the bokeh or bokeh in the background was mm-hmm. like swirly oh. it wasn't huh. this sort of ocular yeah misformatting of focus it, it had this like life to it and uh, you could take a picture of a flower and it looked like it, ins- it looked like it, it looked like it had been processed it didn't look real yeah. But instead, it was this, you know, 40 or 50 year old lens. And I, I think I've got two or three of them here. I think I huh. might have given one to a brother <laughs> at some point. But um, but let's be clear, I've derivated pretty, pretty yeah. decently at this point. I got a new lens and I'm enjoying it. It's it's fun to mess around with this kind of stuff, especially when you don't have to spend 
a fortune to do so. Yeah, yeah. So that's the seven artisans, thirty-five F five six pancake. And if you can get it for forty-seven bucks for a Nikon, you're yeah. gonna have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Plus, if if that's the lens that you drop the camera and the lens breaks, or mm. you even just use this as the body cap. Yeah, true. Like yeah. if you're switching lenses to another camera, and this is just the one that you go that you put on. Right. It's a great idea. I just like knowing about this yeah. uh, this brand, this website. This is cool. Yeah, seven artisans make some wild stuff. Nice. Fun show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, had a good show. Always nice to talk about new watches and camera lenses and, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And then I think your final notes was great. It, the, both of those pieces of content with uh, Tom on on uh, Teddy and Mr. Soul on uh, Whiskey and Watches brought me some joy this week. So I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to uh, to share that. Yeah. But hey, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to subscribe to the show notes, get into the comments for each episode, or even consider supporting the show directly, maybe even grab yourself a new TGN signed NATO or access to the Slack, please visit thegraynado.com. Music throughout is Siesta by Jazzar via the free music archive. And we leave you with this quote from Franz Kafka, who said, I don't feel particularly proud of myself, but when I walk alone in the woods or lie down in the meadows, all is well. <laughs>